0: It's a beautiful day at the Homestead. Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Tower, the Omni Homestead Resort's original podcast series. I'm your host, Jesse Bruton. Today, we're speaking to Mark Fry, Director of Golf, and Barry Ryder, Head Golf Professional at the Cascades. Mark, Barry, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today.
1: Thanks for having us. We're happy to be here.
0: Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves?
1: Well, could be a long story, I guess. Um, I'm 55 years old and um, grew up here in Hot Springs in Bath County, and was a lifelong dream to be a golf professional at one of these golf courses. So, uh, fortunately, my uncle Bobby was the pro at the Lower Cascades, which is one of our other courses we had for 36 years. And so, I had some family ties and uh, have an older brother that's a great player. And my dad was a great player. So, it was kind of in the genes to play golf. and rode by the golf courses every day in my life, going to school. And here I am today as a director of golf.
2: Yeah, and so this is Barry Ryder speaking. And not too uh, born and raised here. My wife Debbie is the equestrian manager here. And I have two daughters that also have worked here previously. They don't at this time. But so my whole family has worked at this resort. And uh actually Mark is the one that got me started in golf. So he's the one that got me going. He and his father would take me out when I was a sophomore in high school and Kind of just fell in love with the game. And so this is my 23rd year as a PGA member, and I've worked at the resort about 37 years.
0: That's an impressive lineage. What first brought you to the homestead?
2: Well, I too came by this building, you know, on the school bus and looked at it many times and just thought one of these days I'm going to work there because I could see people out moving around and all the activities. So kind of just riding by it every day and looking at it. And it was a dream of mine to work here and and a goal. And so I actually started working here when I was in high school.
1: And for me, you know, same similar answer, obviously, but I think living in Hot Springs and growing up here, the Homestead was a culture. It was a part of everyone's family. And my grandparents worked here and my mom worked here. And so it was a family tradition to some degree. And there are multiple families that that have also endured or enjoyed that as well. So it was a dream and, and falling in love with golf at an early age, as we both did, or I did earlier than Barry, but it just seemed like it was the place we wanted to be and no better place to be.
0: What's your first impression or earliest memory of the homestead?
1: Well, for me, you know, once again, as an elementary school kid driving by the golf course, I always would look at the golf course. And as a kid, my dad would take me to the golf course, even when it was closed, and we would hunt for golf balls. So that was always fun. It was like an Easter egg hunt, but you were hunting for golf balls. So, and we would carry a club along as we walked and wade in the creeks in the Cascade Stream and pick up golf balls and hit a few as we were out there, maybe putt. So, you know, as a youngster, I remember those days vividly just walking the course with my dad and picking up balls and wading in the creeks. And and it was really fond memories.
2: Yeah. And for me, uh, I did not play golf early, Um, I didn't play till I was about 16. But I did ski and skate. So as a young kid, we did a lot of skiing and skating. And we also had a bowling alley at that time. And we had a little junior bowling league. So we would be able to do those things uh, once a week. And so, yeah, I started coming here really early at a young age doing those activities.
0: What is your favorite thing about what you do?
2: For me, my favorite thing is the people. I really enjoy being around people. Uh, enjoy giving golf lessons. You know, there's nothing more satisfying than somebody that's new to the game to get a golf ball airborne to see the excitement on their face it's just a thrill to be able to be a part of that get somebody started
1: and i would say my answer would be probably exactly the same it's the people we work with it's the people that we've taught over the years thousands of golf school students it's the junior golfer that has just taken the game up and it's the enjoyment of playing the game you know we both play competitively and and played well, and it's fun to, you know, go out and shoot good scores and be respected by your peers to know that you're a good golfer. and But it still goes back to the people that you touch and the people you've helped and maybe introduced to the game. And so those are the rewards you get uh, attached with golf, for sure.
0: So golf has been a big part of the Homestead experience for more than a century. And on top of that, Omni Hotels and Resorts are the official hotels of the PGA Tour. What is it that you think that continues to draw people to this game?
1: Well, I mean, the game in particular is such a challenging game. It's a game that anyone at any age can enjoy. I can remember when I worked at Roanoke Country Club, we had a gentleman that was 92 years old, and he walked and played golf two or three times a week. So it's not a game that you die away from or you get tired of. It's always a challenge, and it's a rewarding game. And for here, we have some of the finest golf courses in the country, if not the world, especially when you look at what the Cascades golf course has offered and and what it has proven itself to be through many national championships and whatnot. So it's a challenging golf course. It's a mountainous layout. It's a beautiful setting, the serenity around it. So uh, it's just a great place to be.
0: So on that note, I know that the Cascades is annually ranked as one of the top mountain courses and top public courses in the country. How would you describe it? What do you think helps it achieve that recognition year over year?
1: Well, it's the terrain, I think, more than anything. It's the difference in the terrain, the hilliness, the uneven lies, the way the golf course was built. You know, in 1923, the Cascades was built, and in that day and time, they didn't have the ability to move a lot of terrain, at least not easily. They did it with mules and hand labor. So that course was carved into the mountain, and I think it's that setting and that playability that makes it unique. Um, there are not a lot of level lies. Each hole was different. And as Sam mentioned in his quote that's at the first e, or has mentioned it several times, when you play that golf course, you will probably use every club in the bag. So to me, that's a unique experience. It's not just a driver and a wedge and a driver and a short iron. It's a variety of shots, a variety of stances and lies. Every day is different when you're out there, I think.
0: The Sam you mentioned, of course, being the legendary Sam Snead.
1: Yeah, so in talking about the legendary Sam Snead, we would be remiss in not bringing him into the conversation. Certainly the most famous and legendary golfer of all time And, you know, we claim him as our own. He was born here in Bath County, and he's buried here in Bath County. I was fortunate to meet Sam at an early age and play golf with him the first time when I was 16. And my dad played with him at the Lower Cascades in one round where he shot 60, and he was 71 years old. So shooting your age is always a golfer's goal, but to beat your age by 11 shots at the age of 71 was historic. So Sam is still, in our mind, the greatest golfer ever. He still is tied with tagger as the most PGA Tour wins. And uh, he shot a 27 at the Cascades on the back nine. He had nine straight threes. So just fathom that, nine straight threes. So we miss him, but he's not forgotten.
0: Is it true that several golf course architects actually declined the opportunity to build the Cascades?
1: Yeah, we know of a couple for sure. Tillinghouse was one that looked at it and basically said it couldn't be done. Um, and then William Flynn was contacted, and Barry and I were having a conversation on the walk up here, and he told me something I didn't know, and I'd been here my whole life, but when Flynn said he could build the golf course, he said he could only build it if they could have bought this piece of property, which entails the third and fourth hole today, and I really didn't know that that was a separate purchase, so there were actually three properties, specific properties that were purchased in an effort to build the course, and Flynn who said he could do it if we could purchase that one smaller piece of property on the third and fourth hole, which we did. And he built a remarkable golf course, unbelievable mountain
2: course. When finally decided that Flynn was going to design the course, they started construction on September 12th of 1923. Uh, And at that time, they had a crew of about 12 people. And they actually started on the second hole was the first thing that they did, clearing trees and stuff. By November, they had about 90 people working to build the golf course, and most of those people that were working there were staff members from the Homestead Resort itself. So, they would actually pull people from different departments, carpenters, painters, electricians, to help build the golf course. And actual construction with heavy equipment stuff began in the winter time in November. So, There's one point in time where the ground was so frozen, it was 42 inches deep into the ground, so they had to actually blast the ground before a steam shovel could start digging for the golf course. So that's how cold it got at that time. The course actually opened the first tee in the ground on October the 11th of 1924. So in 13 months' time, they built a championship golf course, uh, which is incredible in today's times. It cost about $15 to $18 million to build a golf course in today's time. And to build the Cascades in 1923-24, they spent $140,000. So the Cascades, as Mark said before, had a bunch of natural resources. And one of the things that they did was they took humus or black dirt from the surrounding hollows and mountains to put on the golf course after they finished their blasting. One of the interesting things... Where well, there was a couple of interesting things. There was a house that sat in the middle of number one fairway. So they actually jacked the house up and put it on round logs and rolled it out of the fairway to put it to the right of the fairway so they could build the first hole. And uh, the second thing that was really interesting was for the first two years of the Cascades, they mowed the fairways with a horse pulling a mower blade because the dirt was still so soft that they couldn't get mowers or tractors on there to mow it. So for the first couple of years, it was horses pulling mowers <laughs> instead of tractors. So found that pretty interesting. And that was in an effort to keep the fairways from getting tore up and rutted up. And uh, every time it would rain when they'd find a pool of water, then they would bring in dirt and fill it in to get rid of all the low spots in that first couple of years. So it's pretty neat history on the on the Cascades itself. You know,
1: and another interesting fact that Barry and I were talking about on the way up here, and I didn't even know it still, was that the most expensive hole to build on the golf course was the 17th hole, because the 17th hole was formerly a watercress farm. So, there was ponds and lakes, and the stream kind of ran through where the fairway is. So, they had to move the stream, and then they had to backfill all those ponds and all those lakes and all those springs to put the 17th hole in where it was. And I, did, I didn't know that until today when Barry and I were walking up. So, He's a pretty good historian on what happened at the Cascades, but that was an interesting fact. And just ironically, we just spent quite a bit of money last year on drainage on that same <laughs> hole. So it's still costing us today.
0: <laughs> so have there been any significant changes to the course over the years?
1: There have. You know, we could define it as significant. One of the things that we were able to do was we were able to get our hands on William Flynn's original blueprints. So in doing that, with the grids that were on there, we were able to measure widths of fairways at certain points. We were able to measure green dimensions. And we actually took aerial photos of every green at 200 feet with a drone. And with that, we could take the drone photographs and overlay those on the original blueprints. And we could see how the greens had changed dramatically, some of which, you know, mowing patterns change, Some of the cutouts or the curvatures were turned into true circles. And so in our effort to get ready for our centennial, which is 2023, we wanted to try to bring the Cascades back as close to original as William Flynn saw it in his day and what his thoughts were. So we widened fairways. We redesigned, reshaped greens. We've added some interruptions where... It was one long fairway. Now there might be a bit of rough in between some of those. That's an interruption from fairway to rough to back to fairway. So we did all that referencing his original blueprints. We also removed a lot of trees that had overgrown, and those were maybe not as much from an architectural standpoint of what Flynn had in mind. But because of airflow and lighting and texture of the grasses, we found that with better lighting and better airflow, we can improve the conditions of the fairway. So we took a lot of trees out. We changed some sight lines. We're in the process of building some new tees for uh, some of our senior golfers as our golfers are getting older, and probably the average age is getting a little older. Back in 1923, there was not a senior set of tees built. And so we're in that process now as we head into 23, which is once again our centennial, that we would like to have everything kind of buttoned up at that point We've reshaped the creeks. We've redone the ponds, redredged the ponds. So uh, we're getting closer and closer to what we feel Flynn's intentions were. And I think he would be very proud of it today.
0: I understand that the Cascades has hosted some pretty notable tournaments over the years. Can you tell us about some of the more memorable events?
1: Yeah, you know, fortunately, the Cascades has hosted eight national championships. And when we define national championships, that's typically hosted by the USGA, United States Golf Association. So those are kind of, from an amateur standpoint, those are the top events in the country. So we've had eight of those. We also hosted the senior tour, which was the Merrill Lynch Senior Tour Shootout. We did that two years in a row, and that was the top 10 money winners on the senior tour that came here and played and we had Hale Irwin and Bob Murphy and J.C. Sneed and played in that, and they were fascinated by the condition and the golf course itself. We had the Women's U.S. Open here in 60—I want to say 67, which was a huge event, obviously. And then we had the NCAA Division I boys here. That was in 2004. Ryan Moore was the winner that year. And several of those guys went on to play on the tour after competing in that as an amateur and so the course has held its own for 100 years. Those Division One boys that came here in 2004, best college boys in the country, they saw the yardage at 66 and changed yardage and thought they were going to come and just light it up and tear the course up, and they really didn't. There are only four or five guys that shot under par for the week. So the course has a history of holding its own, even though it's a shorter course by today's standards. The quality and the shot-making and the design that Flynn gave us has stood the test of time. And so it still is a competitive championship golf course, and we're very proud of it.
2: And I'd like to add in 2004, the Cal Bears won that tournament at 14 over par as a team. So like Mark said, it, it held its own for those guys.
1: Yeah, 14 over par,
2: That's <laughs> they thought they were going to tear it up, but they didn't.
0: So which hole do you think is the most challenging on the course?
2: Mark and I talked about this. We both agree that number 12 is the most challenging hole there because one of its length and kind of the shot shape that you have to play on that hole to get the ball in position. uh, It's a pretty long par four with an elevated tee, but uh, your shot selection, your tee ball has to be in play to have a good shot at making par on that hole. And there's
1: trouble on both sides. There's a creek going down the left side, and there's woods on the right. There's cross bunkers that protect the front, and it's very narrow from side to side. It was originally a par five. And in 1988, when we hosted the men's USGA US Amateur, they changed it to a par four. So the green was really built by Flynn to be receiving wedges as a par five. But when they changed it to a par four, you're now hitting a long iron into a very narrow green. So it's a very challenging hole. It was voted the number one hole in Virginia for many years.
0: That's awesome. It sounds like it doesn't give you much room for error.
1: <laughs> it really doesn't. So if you make par there, you, you're you happy to go on to the 13th hole.
0: <laughs> so that one's the most challenging. Which is your absolute favorite?
2: I like 13. Uh, it's kind of the same shot shape as 12. You have to hit a little draw, but the creek hugs the left side. And the reason I like the hole so much When Flynn redesigned the golf course, the creek used to run through the middle of the uh, fairway, and he changed that and moved the creek to the left side. And in doing so, he replaced the creek line with bunkers. So if you look at the bunkers, how they run through the middle of the fairway, it's where the creek used to go. But the second shot is why I like the hole so much. When you hit your second shot, you're hitting down toward what we call the gorge. So the ball seems like it stays in the air forever, and it just floats against that background. It's a pretty neat shot.
1: Yeah, and I would say my favorite hole probably is the 16th hole. 16 is a par 5, a dogleg right, so it's very risk-rewarding. The Cascade Stream, which is where the course gets its namesake, runs down the entire right side, and then it cuts in front of the green. And there's a pond in front, and so the second shot, if you choose to hit for the green in two, is just total carry. So you can't miss hit it any whatsoever. It has to be a really good shot. And so at that point late in the game, a lot of matches or a lot of games are on the line, so there's a lot of pressure for that that hole, and then it's such a risk-reward. If you hit a great shot, you can be certainly rewarded, but if you miss hit it, you're not going to be rewarded. I threw my wedge in the pond there one day, and I think Barry went and got it. So I was I dumped my third shot in there, and I got frustrated, and I threw my club in the pond, and Barry retrieved it and brought it back to me like a week later. So. <laughs> I've had some ups and downs with that hole.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good friend to have. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I don't know if he had to swim to get it. That pond's kind of (laughs) deep and cold.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if a guest is playing the Cascades for the very first time, what advice would you give them? Other than, of course, don't come in assuming that you're just going to tear it up.
1: You know, which maybe is not golf related. The first thing I would probably do would be to tell them to enjoy the scenery. I mean, it's such a picturesque golf course. I mean, there's no houses around it. The road is fairly quiet. You know, we just hosted a Cascades Invitational for Memorial Day weekend, and we had a moment of silence, and it was deafening silent. The silence was deafening, I should have said. So the serenity of the course to enjoy the views is the first thing I would recommend anyone to do. And then from an advice standpoint, you know, the greens can be very fast, so I would say probably... Keep the ball in play. Keep it in front of you. You don't always have to hit driver. You might be better off to hit a fairway wood or an iron off the tee just to ensure yourselves you're not in the deep rough or one of the creeks. So play short, play in front, and
2: enjoy the scenery. I couldn't add to that much more other than, (laughs) you know, the biggest mistake I see people make down there is when they do hit it in the rough, they think that they can hit it a long ways out of the rough, and it just doesn't work. So if you do get off line or sideways – you're better off wedging it out or pitching it back out in play instead of trying for the hero shot. Take your medicine. Take your your medicine.
1: Yeah.
0: So if a guest had only one day to spend at the homestead, what is one tip that you would say you cannot miss this one thing?
2: Go ahead, Barry. Well, I mean, there's obviously plenty of things to do, but the one thing that a lot of people don't know is on the old course, if you go up to number 14T, it's called Sunset Hill, and they've cut out a place and put some benches there. And it's probably the only place around the resort that you can actually see the whole resort. So if you go up there, it just gives you a full view of the hotel. Unfortunately, it's not advertised and it's it's not one of those things that you can just walk up to. You have to know how to get there. So a lot of times people come by and say, what's that up there? And you have to kind of give them direction to get there. So... But yeah, it's a it's a great view from up there, it's not a lot of people get to see it other than golfers.
1: Yeah, and I think one of our activities that I would strongly recommend, and unfortunately I only did this a couple of years ago, was the gorge walk. I think the gorge walk is, in my opinion, a definition of what the Allegheny Mountains in Bath County and really stands for. It's peaceful down there. It's the waterfalls, and and Brian, our our guide, and all the guides do such a wonderful job, but Learning a little bit about nature down there and Bath County, I think, is all about nature. We grew up hunting and fishing and we can appreciate what that water and that stream and that setting means. And so for someone that lives in a city and and walks on the pavement every day to walk down there and be next to nature and see what these mountains and what this county has to offer, I, I would recommend you do that.
0: I love that. We spoke to our naturalist in season one about that particular hike, Mm -hmm. and it was so captivating.
1: Yeah. He does a spectacular job. He's uh, very well-schooled in everything down there, and he really enjoys being in front of people. I think he does a great job. I only did it a couple years ago, and I thought it was fantastic. And I'd walked in and out of there my whole life. But to do that with him is a whole different experience.
0: So what's your favorite secret about the homestead? Something that people understand and discover once they're here, but prior to experiencing themselves would never know.
1: Well, I don't know if it's a secret, but I think once they get here, the thing that they recognize is the sincerity of the people that are here and how they take care of you and how the county pulls together and the people of the resort pull together. And it's one big family. It's a team. And so I think probably the biggest asset that the homestead has to offer is the people and the, the way they love the resort and they love what they do and they love having the guests here. And that's my opinion. Meet as many people as you can meet that are here. You won't regret it.
2: Yeah, and I think when they come here, the people that work here make them feel safe when they're here. You know, you're away from all the hustle and bustle of the big city, so it's a very quiet town. So I think We like to
1: tell them, welcome home. <laughs> yeah. This should be home. Yep.
0: I love that. Well, that's all the time that we have for now. Mark, Barry, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for being our guest today.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you you very much. Mm -hmm.
0: Learn more about Hidden Treasures at the Homestead by listening to our entire podcast series available at theomnihomestead.com slash podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and many other podcast apps, or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For exclusive offers on the Omni Homestead and other Omni hotels and resorts, sign up for select Guest. The program rewards members with a simple way to earn free nights and access to exclusive offers. Plus, returning members enjoy perks like complimentary daily beverage and more. Beyond the Tower is a production of the Omni Homestead Resort in Hot Springs, Virginia. The title music, Welcome to My Homestead, is written and performed by David Hill. Our executive producer is Lynn Swan. Our producer is John Kendall Royston, and your host is me, Jesse Bruton. Many thanks to all of our talented guests. For information about how to book your next day, visit theomnihomestead.com.